Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to The Art of Kindness, where we have compassionate conversations with artists from all areas of the entertainment industry who are using their voice to spread joy and make this big spinning planet in the sky a better place to be. I'm Robert Peter Paul, and I'm so glad you're here. Hi, everybody. Are you excited to be here? Yes! We're at BroadwayCon! This is our people! We're going to have so much fun today, and I thank you so much for joining us. This is the Art of Kindness podcast live. It's never been live before, so (laughs) we're going to see what happens. I mean, it's always live when we record it, but whatever. Anyway, if you don't know, the Art of Kindness podcast is a podcast from the lovely Broadway Podcast Network which aims to spotlight people working in the entertainment industry who are using their platforms to make the world a better place and to give back. And uh, we have a lot of fun. And it's actually, last week was our one year anniversary. So, or this week, I don't know. I don't know how to tell time after the pandemic, but we are one years old. Oh, we're a baby. So the AOK is a really positive space and I kind of want to replicate that here today. So relax if you want to take a deep breath inside your mask. We're gonna have a really, (laughs) really chill time and I'm so grateful to be here with you all. So now that we're warmed up a little bit, I actually have to say that I really need you today. So I would love to hear your reactions. You know, I mean, don't just like scream in the middle of the panel. If you do that, that's cool. I'll probably do that. You could shout, I love Rob, and that'd be cool too. No, just kidding, whatever. But yeah, this is a live recording. So, you know, don't be afraid to clap or anything like that. I just passed out. <laughs> also, at the end of our discussion, if time allows and the, you know, the moment moves you, we might open it up to an audience Q&A. So put your thinking caps on, think of some cues. I should mention, we have an awesome guest joining us who, you know, you're probably actually here to see the guest. And I don't blame you, because that's why I'm here. He is a sparkling human being. He is an actor, a singer, a writer. You have seen him grace the stage on the Broadway with shows like Bonnie and Clyde. Sunday in the Park with George, and of course, you can currently catch him stealing the show in company, which you still have a chance to go see through July 31st, I believe. Run, don't walk, it's, it's such an amazing show. He has also brightened up your screens 
on TV shows like The Carrie Diaries, FBI, and most recently in HBO Max's hit show, The Gilded Age. Anybody watch The Gilded Age? Such a good show, right? It's basically kind of like a Broadway red carpet, I feel like. Yes. You know, you got Kelly O'Hara, Christine Baranski, Donna Murphy, I mean, the list goes on. And of course, today's guest also. I should say, I should probably stop blabbering on about him. What I admire most about our guest though, besides all his wonderful credits, is the fact that he's just such a kind human being. And we're gonna get into that. So please, without further ado, welcome Broadway's king of kindness, Claiborne Elder. We're getting nice and cozy. Yeah. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Ooh, this is professional. Congratulations on your one year. Thank oh. you. Congratulations on everything you do. And thank you for the very nice introduction. Yeah. That was very nice. Oh, I'm glad. I, I did start to black out a little bit, so I hope I made sense. <laughs> it was perfect. Okay, good. Uh, so Clay has been on our podcast before. He was such an amazing guest. It's one of the most downloaded episodes. What, what? <laughs> and he has some really cool things to share about kindness, specifically in the theater. So we're definitely going to get into that. But the first question I always like to ask people on my podcast, no matter what, even though I've asked you before, is just to kind of unlock the door of today's conversation. I would love to know, what does kindness mean to you? You have asked me this question before. I have. Um, you know, I, uh, we work in an industry that is very relationship-based and very vulnerable. And I think that the, um, the best things that can happen in the theater are the most vulnerable things. And so I think a big part of of kindness is, and I, I said this to you before, I believe, um, being open to others and being open to the kindness of others, letting people be kind to you um, is probably one of the most vulnerable things you can do is actually like accept someone's help. Um, and I think that it's something that, you know, we oftentimes in trying to make ourselves feel comfortable, put up a wall so that we can feel safe. And I feel like um, when that wall comes down, we are more open to, to opportunity uh, in an artistic space. Mm. That's so beautiful. Yeah, we clap that out. There's going to be a lot of clapping. I do think in some ways, too, our society in a lot of ways has kind of trained us all to not accept that love. You know, I was just out to dinner, someone else tried to pay, and you do that dance of, you're not paying, you're not paying, you're not paying. And it's like, just accepting that love is actually kindness to the other person, like you're saying. Yeah. So I, I think that's a beautiful point to bring up. I also am not surprised that it probably comes from your parents, who I hear are incredibly kind. They are. Lovely yeah. people. They are. They're very good people. Hi, Mom. Mom, uh -huh. you're great. <laughs> um, uh, they are. They're very, very kind people. Yeah, and yeah. I know we talked about them a little bit last time, but you know, growing up in Utah, I feel like you felt very supported by them. You weren't always necessarily a musical theater nerd, but you were a big theater nerd. Yes. And so I would just love to know, when was the moment you kind of realized that you wanted to be in musicals? Well, I am the, I'm the youngest of eight kids, and I know. And um, none of them are theater people. Uh, they're, in fact, all of them are social scientists. All of them, I have, I have three siblings who are therapists. So Can try, I have their number? <laughs> Seriously, every time I ever brought a boyfriend home, it was it involved a lot of prep work about their mental health um, and what they should say. No, but I feel like I sort of chose a different side of that, which is another side of human behavior study. And um, I, when I was probably, I was about 15, my mom was a teacher at my school. 
awesome. And um, <laughs> I was basically really cool, is what I'm saying. And um, I, I uh, would have to hang out and wait for her after school to finish everything before we went home. And I was sitting in like the school office, and I wanted to. We had just done Oliver in seventh grade, and I was the artful dodger, and I loved it. Oh. And I had heard that there were like community theaters that you could perform at. So I got the phone book out. I'm aging myself. <laughs> um, I mean, I looked it up on the internet, which totally existed. Yes. And um, it was like, it was so there and like really real. And I, uh, I looked up all the community theaters in the area and just started calling the phone numbers and saying like, hey, can I, can I audition? And my mom luckily was really open to anything that interested me. You know, she was very, like, very supportive of things that I wanted to do. And so she started driving me around to, to auditions. Oh. And, um, and that was sort of when I fell in love with it. And then I basically was kind of in a play for the next five years, like straight, you know, just doing community theater shows. Or I also worked backstage at the theaters and did tech and did everything. So, um, so yes, I was a huge theater nerd. And don't you think that's important to kind of see everybody else's job and get that bigger picture of the people working backstage? Like, do you feel like that's kind of informed your career even now? Oh, definitely. I think that I think everyone in their professional career should be an understudy at some point, just so you know how hard it is. Mm. Not just not just understudies, but just the the whole crew and how hard everyone works and the passion they put into it. I think I was very lucky in that because I, I started working in a community theater where they, you know, we were just a small group of people doing it, all of us, that I was like conducting the orchestra at one point. And oh. I like- During the show? Yeah, no, on my off nights. Um, it was like a double cast and I would conduct the orchestra on the other night. And then, and then like did the lights and the sound and learned, you know, what it was like to be on both sides of it. I was never like, I wasn't the star of my high school. I wasn't like the star of my college even. Uh, I just worked harder than everyone else maybe. And really I was a big nerd. I studied my degrees in dramaturgy. So I just loved to read. And, um, and so I think that like having all of that, um, all of those experiences has made me a much more open person at my theater now, you know? Mm. Yeah. Like knowing everyone's name and knowing their life and knowing that, you know, they're not just there to support you. They're, we're all working together. It's a collaborative process. And um, so I think that was Definitely. very important. Yeah. yeah. It, t it does take effort sometimes to be kind and like really put that first. So I love that you're doing that. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, getting your degree. Afterwards, you moved to New York City, you made the big leap. I did. And then, you know, because it's all about kindness today, I want to get into when you first moved there, you went to see Spelling Bee at the Circle in the Square Theater. Yes, it was actually before was I moved it? to New York. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I, I rewind. Came, rewind. I came to New York on a visit while I was in college, and I had no money, and I was just going to see every show I possibly could, like standing room or rush tickets. And I bought a standing room ticket to Putnam County Spelling Bee. And you know, it was in the it was in Circle in the Square, so the audience was on both sides of the theater. And I was in the standing room, and somebody I was leaving the theater and looked not like a New Yorker, because I was like this <laughs> shiny kid from Utah who was like, oh wow. And um, and a, a man walked up to me with his friend and said, 
you look like you're from out of town. <laughs> and I said, you have, yes, I am. And he was like, you know, I was sitting on the other side of the theater watching you watch the show, and you looked like you were enjoying it way more than the people in the expensive seats. Here's $200. Buy yourself a ticket to Sweeney Todd tomorrow. It'll change your life. And I was a kid from Utah, so I was like, what do you want? <laughs> like, I, I have two kidneys, but I would like them both. Um, I'm still using them. Um, no, but he really, you know, he just gave it to me. And um, I, took, I, I took a picture with him because it was the only thing that I could think of to do on like a camera with film. <laughs> Again, I'm old. He bought um, it on Amazon, yeah, and, on the internet. Um, and so I took this picture with him. I, I went, you know, I could have spent $200 on a lot of things at that point in my life, but I went and bought tickets to Sweeney Todd, went and watched Patti LuPone play the tuba. And, um, and it, it did, it changed my life. Um, you know, I was a weird theatery kid. I, in Utah, we only had musicals like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which is also very good. But, you know, like we, there wasn't a lot of exposure to experimental, new ideas, different theater, weird things. And I was a weird kid. And I went and saw this show, and I was like, oh, this is weird and dark, and it's what I want to do. And it's here in New York. And I hadn't really decided what I was going to do when I got my dramaturgy degree because that's a great degree to have if you want a job. And um, so I came to New York. I, I decided to move to New York. And I said, I'm going to give it one year and audition and see what happens. And I worked all sorts of terrible jobs um, in the interim while I was auditioning every day, three or four times a day. And I went to an open chorus call for Stephen Sondheim's last new musical, Roadshow, at the Public Theater. And I was, you know, like number 158, and went in and sang my 16 bars and walked out, and they called me back, and they called me back, and they called me back, and I was like, this is all very sweet, but I'm never gonna get this job. Because it was like to play the role that Gavin Creel had played in Chicago. And finally, at one of my callbacks, Stephen Sondheim was in the room, and I was like, oh, serious <laughs> oh my god uh, and and I got cast in that show which was directed by John Doyle who directed the Sweeney Todd revival uh, I starred across from Michael Cerberus who was Sweeney Todd in that revival and at that time I tried to find the man I had that picture of him and I tried to find him and you know like Playbill did an article about it and, and the picture kind of got out there but nothing happened and we never found him and went on with my life, and cut to this year. Um, I'm just give you the whole story. No, I appreciate uh, the whole story. Thank no, you for retelling it. No, no. I, this year, I, um, I'm in company on Broadway, and you know we'd been through the, we, the shutdown together. We'd been through the pandemic, everything. We finally opened the show in December, and in the middle of December, I got COVID. And so I was kind of the first principal out of the show, and I was so depressed about it. Um, just having waited so long to finally get to do it on Broadway and having just opened and to be out of the show, I was just very sad. I was thrilled for my understudy, who was incredible, but also I, was, I just wanted to be there. And um, I was going back into the show after my being away for 10 days, and I said to my husband, you know, I'm gonna just post on Instagram that I'm gonna buy somebody two tickets to the show and give them away on Instagram. And he was like, that's weird, but okay. And, uh, <laughs> And I posted the photo of the guy who had given me the tickets, and I said, here's the thing. And two amazing things happened. Um, one, people started reaching out to me and asking if they could give me money to buy more tickets. 
And so they were sending me money and sending me money just over Venmo. And, uh, and I talked to my accountant and made sure that it was fine this was happening. <laughs> and I got a, over $20,000 in donations. And now 1,400 people have seen the show for free. Not for free, actually paid for by a stranger. And, um, and it's been an incredibly moving thing to be a part of. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But the other incredible thing is Douglas Sills, who I work on The Gilded Age with, um, who also introduced me to Celia Keenan-Bolger, who was in that production of Spelling Bee that I saw that one time, uh, saw the post and called me and said, I know that guy. I've known him for 20 years. Do you want to talk to him? And I was like, <laughs> and kind of just like getting cast in Roadshow and having Stephen Sondheim in the room, I never thought I would find that person. It was, I thought it was over. You know, I thought I would never find that person. It could have been anybody. And um, so I said yes. And later that night, we got on a three-way FaceTime, and I got to say to him, you know, Doug didn't say why we were getting on FaceTime. And I got to say to him, hey, 15 years ago, I was standing outside a theater, and you gave me $200. And he immediately started crying and knew who I was. And we both cried for a long time. And, um, and now he's coming to see the show this weekend. Ooh! And, um, and I bought him tickets. And uh, it seemed like the thing to do. And, um, and that's sort of the whole story. And, you know, the, the ticket giveaway, which I just, I kind of never intended it to grow like that. And... And there's a big, you know, who am I to decide who gets, who deserves a ticket to the show? And, it, and the answer is I'm not, you know. Uh, and so it was, it's all trust-based. And I, I have a little Google form that people fill out. And if they want to come see the show, they have to promise me they've never seen it. They have to promise me uh, that they feel like they could not afford to come, whatever that means to them. And that's it. And if you say yes to those things, I'll give you a ticket to the show. And, um, and we've also partnered with some organizations like Covenant House, who supports homeless youth, and um, some other projects, getting people in the theater who don't always feel welcome in the space, um, welcome on Broadway. And it, it's been such a gift to me in my life um, to meet those people. And every time a group of people comes to the show, I meet them afterwards and take a picture with them, sort of in the spirit of me taking a photo with that guy. And I have all the pictures on my wall of my dressing room of all those people that came to see the show. And, you know, to me it has been such a, again, when I talk about people accepting kindness, I don't think it's always easy to say, hey, I, I don't know that I can afford this, but I would really like to come. You know, that's hard. And, um, and so I feel, I feel so thankful to those people that I see every day kind of lifting me up, you know, um, as we do the show. Well, we feel so thankful for you. I mean, give it up for that. That's, that's really such an amazing, like, 360 act of kindness that I don't think anybody could have even dreamt up. And I thank you for doing that. And, doing your part to make the industry a lot kinder because I think if everybody was doing that, if every show had that, you know, we would live in a much brighter entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I also have heard you, you mentioned you take a picture with all these people. You've kind of formed like a little kindness community. I did. Yeah. Because I have the email addresses of all those people. There was a random act of kindness day was um, a couple of months ago. And, you know, again, I don't ask anything of these people, but I wrote them all an email on that day and just said, hey, or uh, the week before, and just said, hey, this day is coming up, and it's a very important day to me because I believe in random act of kindness a lot. And if you feel like doing something, whether that's holding the door open for somebody or buying somebody a cup of coffee in line behind you or something, uh, I would encourage you to do that and post about it on social media and just kind of share that kind of message and love and I got so many people doing so many amazing things everything from like cleaning up a public garden space to like buying groceries for an elderly neighbor to really simple things like opening the door for somebody which I really appreciate all of those things and um, that was really beautiful and moving on that day and we plan to do it again Mm, I love that. Yeah. I have a feeling that when we leave this room, everyone's going to try and hold the door open for each other. Which <laughs> and then we'll never leave, and we can just have a party. I think that's so, that's so incredible. You know, of course, with company closing, which again, everybody go see it if you have not already. Do you have any plans or thoughts about how to continue this kind of kindness train through the other shows you do? Yeah, you know, we, I, um, my husband kind of came on board to help when it got really crazy and started being into the hundreds of people. And he has a lot of experience in nonprofits. He ran nonprofits for 25 years. So that was also very helpful. And, you know, we are, we have lots of plans of what to do with it, but we also didn't want, we wanted to grow it in a really organic way. And also what immediately started happening is, you know, like people wanted, companies wanted to jump on board and theater companies wanted to kind of take it over and all of these things, which is great. And they should totally do it on their own. but. Like it just, it felt, um, it felt false to like let, have somebody else come on board and take it over. Um, because it's not like it's something only I can do. You know, it's, I, I, I've been encouraging companies and all, like lots of other actors and lots of other shows to do something similar. And lots of have, which is really beautiful. But, um, you know, we were talking about what it felt like to just grow it really organically and in a small way because it's, 
I'm having like one-on-one -on -one conversations with every single person who's come to see the show. Mm. And that's a big part of it to me is that it's not just like, I'm gonna give this corporation 50 tickets to the show so they can have some people come. Because mm. that's not, there's definitely room for that, but who I wanna help is like me when I was 25 and had just moved to New York City and was like working three jobs, yeah. but trying to be an actor and how, you know, like, going to see shows is study for us. That's what we, and um, so we've been, yes, so we have a couple of corporate sponsors now who are starting and once company closes, we will be announcing some things and um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm okay. excited about it growing and, um, and the things that it might be. That's really exciting. Yeah. It's also beautiful, I feel like we could even have a world going forward where you buy your tickets online and then there's an option to buy it for somebody else mm -hmm. and yeah. then people apply and then you have to actually sit with that person so you get to know them. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of opportunities in there. Fully, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, if you're like, that's, that's my do plan, mean? don't out my plan. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, speaking of company, who, who here has seen company? Has anybody gotten a chance? Oh, wow, okay, most people have seen it. Yes, I mean, I'm gonna keep clapping because I just got to see it two days ago. Yeah. You know, I was really getting close to this time where I was like, I gotta see it, I gotta see it. And I was just blown away. I mean, I told you before when we were back there that every single aspect really brings its A game, but I feel like the other character that you guys deal with in the show is this massive set that you become a part of, and it's such an ensemble piece that you really have to all work together. And so I would love to know for you, who I think has done a lot of ensemble-based shows, do you feel like there's a difference when you're working on shows that require support from everyone in these large scenes when you're on stage? Yeah. Like when you're all kind of lifting each other up, does that extend backstage? Do you see a difference? Yes, definitely. And you know, I, in this show, if you've seen Company, there's a scene, I won't ruin thing, not that this ruins anything, but there, there are several parts where we're like playing the ensemble of the show, in, in a show that doesn't traditionally have an ensemble particularly one scene towards the end of the show where Patty LuPone is talking, and if you've seen the show, and we are in the background <laughs> pulsating. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and, we've thought, and we've jokingly so many times said, like, how many Tony nominations are back here <laughs> standing and pulsating to the music in the background? Which I think is a like, really incredible thing that we have this group of like, people who are game. You know, like Chris Fitzgerald, who has three Tony nominations, is in the background like, <laughs> <laughs> for like 15 minutes it's a lot you know and um, and doesn't complain about it at all you know we all the, one of the beautiful things about company and it's something that Steve talked about a lot before he died just that it's such a beautiful show because everybody gets their moment you know like everybody gets to have their thing and so it makes for a very happy group of people backstage because we all feel very useful and very uh, necessary to the show and like we really offer something and and so it, having, you know, I mean, another, like, Patti LuPone, who is just, like, out there doing ensemble work, is a, like, That's is, wild. You know, I kept looking for her. I'm like, oh, that's Patti LuPone's little head in the back. She's um, carrying a chair. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yep. She's, like, moving tables and carrying chairs, and she doesn't complain about it at all. And uh, I think partially it's uh, an environment created by a director, you know, and our director, Marianne Elliott, is such an open and collaborative and such an incredible thought leader. We all trust her really inherently. And she is, she's so good at leading actors to water um, and making us all feel very smart, which I think is, is really helpful in a room to not 
you know, to not command, but to help. So I think that for that reason, we all were like, yeah, whatever you want us to do. Yeah. I'll push a giant letter around. Those I'll do it for a long so time. Cool. <laughs> I want, like, it's one of my dreams now to sit in that giant sea and just, just be there. Be pushed around. Yeah. By Patty LePone. Well, we're closing. Maybe. maybe you can have one. Oh, I might buy one. Uh, <laughs> maybe they're going on tour. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I love that you brought up how the director makes you feel smart because your character, Andy, is, is a genius. Such a genius. <laughs> the IQ is off the charts. I just feel like, you know, for lack of a better word, he's a little dim-witted. Uh -huh. The whole, you know, joke of the show, every time he's on stage, if you guys have seen it, is that he's just, like, he's trying really hard, but he's just kind of dumb. <laughs> um, but, you know, he I... He says it. I, you know, he does say it. Yeah. And so it makes you feel better. And he's yeah. like, I'm not interesting. And I'm like, you actually are. I could watch you all day. Um, but I feel like as an actor, you can't really approach your character thinking... This character's dumb, I'm gonna play dumb. So I would love to know how you kind of approached fleshing Andy out with kindness and empathy. Yeah. So I initially auditioned to play Jamie in the show. Oh, okay. And it was back when they were first auditioning people for the show, basically everyone was going in for either Bobby or Jamie. They were just seeing Bobbies and Jamies. And it was in, gosh, I don't even know, it was over three years ago. And I remember sitting in the waiting room with a very fancy group of people. <laughs> and um, I was like, I will never get this job. And, um, and in part, that's, those are my favorite auditions, or the auditions that I'm never gonna get because I have so much fun in them that sometimes I get the job. And so I went in and auditioned and I ended up in the room for like 45 minutes talking with them and they talked to me about Andy and asked me to come in again, but it was like six months later. And they'd given me the, the big butterfly monologue that he, he does. And, um, <laughs> and I took that home the day I went in as Jamie and started thinking about it. Um, and the director said to me, <laughs> after I got cast, no one can understudy you. What you're doing is so weird. <laughs> 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 and, and, and she even said, like, when we started rehearsals, she was like, there was a point where I kind of wanted to cut this um, because it, make, it just made no sense to me. And so I took it home and I was like, well, how does it make sense if it's not just a, not just a joke about a, a person who's a little dim-witted? Like, what does it mean to him? And I also, almost always approach a character, especially in comedies, with their pain because we all have some sort of pain. We all have something that we hate about ourselves or something that has hurt us in the past or something. So I try to find that, that thing about people. And it was very easy in this to like find the thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that woman who really, really like hurt him and made it sort of all about, uh, all about that. All about the butterfly. Uh-huh. And I went in and when I auditioned for it, I went in and did that monologue. <laughs> and I just remember them laughing and laughing, and I remember thinking, this isn't funny. <laughs> because I had made it very real for myself. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, I got cast in. Um, and in working it, uh, you know, nobody, nobody thinks they're dumb. I also say that it takes a very smart person to play dumb, because it, you know, it takes a lot of, a lot of processing. And, I think, you know, Katrina, who plays Bobby, was so on board with the exploration process. When we rehearsed the show in 2019, we did something very different than what we're doing today. And we came in, you know, we'd had, all of us, we had two years to think about the material when we came back in 
And instead of just putting up the show again in two weeks and started running, we had a full six-week rehearsal process again, even though it was almost the, the exact same cast. And so we were all allowed to kind of re-explore all of the material and, um, and also just fall on our faces a lot. Mm. And um, I think that walking the line, you know, like, I think it would be very easy just to be like, I'm gonna be weird and crazy and dumb. And <laughs> that's my life. That's, here I go, you know, like, I'm gonna do whatever I want. Um, but finding, like, uh, finding something real to motivate every single thing. And, um, and I get very particular about writing out the story of the person I'm playing, and I gave that to Marianne, our director, and she held me to it. She would always be like, you know, like, especially when we got an audience and you get laughter involved and your, your, your performance starts to change because you start, like, wanting the audience to react to things. And um, for all of us, she was very much like, say what you mean, mean what you say, and get the words out quickly. And I think that that really made it real. I think that that helped make it, and everybody's, you know, even the wildest performances in the show, I think, are very reality-based. Um, I think that there's something behind them that is not just like, I'm funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was sort of about how I built it out. Yeah, everything's very grounded in the show. And if it wasn't, I feel like it could be on the verge of being like a cartoon, or like the balloons that are actually in the background. It mm -hmm. would just kind of float up, and you're like, oh, that's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. But I feel like a lot of actors play the opposite, too. It's like, yeah. everyone sees your character as dumb, but it's almost like you see that person as so intelligent uh -huh. that they can't express... I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think that's awesome. And we speaking of the balloons, I, one story oh, that's please. funny. Nikki Renee Daniels, who is the understudy for Bobby, who is she went on when um, Katrina had COVID, and she was she's so remarkable and so prepared and so ready. <laughs> and she's slightly shorter than Katrina um, by a lot. <laughs> and <laughs> the balloons are on a string. And she was trying to get the balloons set in the room, and they she let them go, and they went up to the ceiling, and she couldn't get the string. Uh. <laughs> and so she just like, she was like jumping up and down to try to grab them, and just sort of was like, I'm gonna go on with the play. And um, they, so they floated up at the top of the box. If Patty LePone didn't come out with a step stool. No, you would think she's very helpful. You know, that's all right, Patty. Well, I think you know there have been a lot of things, some bigger mishaps that have happened during the show. I mean, it's been kind of a roller coaster for most. Broadway shows right now with the yeah. shutdown and people getting sick. So I would love to know for you, in these moments where things kind of go wrong, have there been any stories about like acts of kindness you can share from this show in particular and people kind of lifting each other up? You know, we, like all shows that have run in the past year, have had a lot of more than ever. You know, I mean, I, I've understudied before and never gone on the entire run of the show. All of our covers have gone on, I think, for every track they cover. Wow. Um, some, you know, for like 10 day stretches. And, and so I think that one of the amazing things that we saw happen in our show, and I think, I think most shows were like that this year, just this incredible, overwhelming support for the understudies as they go on to do this terrifying thing, which is step on stage to do something for the first time. Mm. And um, watching how everybody, not just supported them, but like encouraged them to make the part their own and encourage them, like, you know, oftentimes actors get very set in their ways and want things to stay exactly the same, you know? And I think as the understudies in our show came on, there was a lot of encouragement, both from the artistic team and from the other actors to like, 
do what they want to do a little bit, you know, within the parameters of the show. But there was a lot of trust there that was like, I know that we all want to do this really well. So let's all, let's all see how we do this together and how it's different when, you know, when it's uh, a new person in, in the show. Um, I think that's been the most beautiful act of kindness that I've seen because there's a, you know, there's a history of, in the theater in general, of not being very kind to understudies, you know, and I think that that's something that has needed to change for a long time and has been slowly changing, but I think that in this year where understudies kept the industry open, yeah. um, I think that people have really learned a lot how to, how to support them and how to treat them like members of the company. Because mm, they are. They're wonder studies, I think. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that because they, they really, they have been getting more attention recently, but they really deserve it because they're just as valuable. And I, sometimes more talented. It's, that's the thing is it's yeah. not, like there's no one person that's the best. We work in yeah. a business that is, there's somebody else who's better at playing Andy than I am, for sure. I don't know who, but somebody. And that, that's always going to be the case. You know, being an actor is the cross-section of talent and luck. And I know a lot of really talented people that have just not walked into the right room mm. at the right time. And so there's no, you know, I mean, Ariana DeBose. Like, it's, you know, it's, you don't know what yeah. a person has inside them. Yeah. Um, and that's not a reason to be nice or not nice to them. No. If they're talented or not. Yeah. We're all varying degrees of talented, and we're all working hard, and that's, you know, that's what should matter. Yeah. And then, of course, there's Patti LuPone. <laughs> Sorry, we keep mentioning, but I heard, you guys might have heard this too, she changed one of her dressing rooms into a bar for all of you. La coulette rouge is what it's called. La coulette rouge. It means the red panties. Oh. And um, <laughs> there's a big neon sign and like, uh, and red panties everywhere. It's, <laughs> it's so awesome though, it, which is a reference from the show. Yeah. But um, she is actually, I mean, to be honest, last night she took me out for my birthday and was which, well thank you she actually she and I have the same birthday and um, on our birthday this year she was sick and so she was like we have to go out for our birthday so we went out last night she is um, so remarkably generous and kind and you know she she is she is sort of the cornerstone of our company like she keeps us together and yeah, this bar, she set up, she has, it's common for like the stars of shows to have two dressing rooms, especially in these old theaters where they're very, very small. One is kind of a reception area. Katrina has a reception area too, you know, like it's normal. Um, sometimes when I say she has two dressing rooms, people are like, <laughs> well, uh, but it is kind of normal. But so she set up, she just decided that this one dressing room, because we couldn't all go out together because of COVID, but we had all been tested and we're, you know, backstage together. Um, to set up this bar for us and she stocks it with whatever we want and food and there's a popcorn maker and <laughs> she's very excited about and um and like we all go back there and hang out like if you want to spend time with the cast that's where you go mm -hmm. um and for a long time we were doing like every thursday night we would be there until all hours drinking together and and um and she just wanted to be the host you know she would just kind of sit and pour drinks for people and she just wanted people to gather. She just wants a company to be there. Mm. Yeah. Oh, company. Well, <laughs> get it? <laughs> I guess yeah. I know where we're all going tonight, right? Friday night. <laughs> that's so, that's, that's amazing. And you know, she's such a legend too. So to hear that she's very generous and down to earth is, is awesome. Yeah. Of course, you're working with a lot of legends these days. I got to ask you about the Gilded Age. I know we have some fans here today. 
I think you guys, right? It's such a good show. My sideburns are on their way back in. Yes, for the... I think you guys are, are starting to film. Yeah, we started filming in May, actually. Um, but they've been very kind to me in that they've pushed back. We shoot out of order. We don't shoot by episode, which most TV shows do. So I am. I really start filming in August after the show closes, which is really nice of them. Yeah, that's awesome that they're able to make that work. Yeah. I know when we were talking earlier, you said there was a really wonderful story about an act of kindness that Christine Baranski yes. did for you, <laughs> which a lot of people don't have stories like that. So play, <laughs> I want to hear it. It was on my. It was such a small thing, but it was on my my first day on set of The Gilded Age. I was shooting a scene with her and with Cynthia Nixon and with Louise, Louisa, who plays um, the kind of lead of the show and the guy who plays my um, uh, counterpart. And I had had COVID and they had had to shut down the production the week before because of me, because I had COVID and I was like, oh my gosh, they're gonna fire me. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't. And, um, and so I was very nervous I hadn't even been around people because it, it was in the middle of the pandemic. It was before vaccines came out. And um, we were all very nervous, but all really wanted to get this thing to happen. And so we were there and we would wear our masks the entire time, except when you're shooting. And so the first time you would see anyone's face was when you were shooting a take. Mm. And the director of the Gilded Age has a very particular way of working, and he, because he's working with a lot of theater actors, he knows that we're prepared and we rehearse ourselves in advance. So we only do two takes of any scene, maybe three. And so you have to, you need to be on and ready, you know? And so we're rehearsing in this beautiful set in these gorgeous costumes and hair and makeup and all this stuff, rehearsing with our masks on, and we did the first take. We all take our masks off, and this, they started rolling, and I was like, that's Christine Baranski and Cynthia Nixon. <laughs> What's happening? And I was like very flustered and very, because they had their masks on, I was kind of like, I don't know, you're a person. And, uh, and I got very, very flustered and I kept forgetting this one line and it was her cue to go on. Oh no. <laughs> and I mean, we do the scene several times because they have to set up camera angles, but you only get like a couple of takes. And um, this was my, my take. And, um, and I kept forgetting the line, and there would just be this silence. And I'd be sitting there like, what's supposed to happen? <laughs> Something's supposed to happen right now, and I don't know what it is. And it was me. I was supposed to happen. <laughs> and Cynthia, I made Christine just like very kindly looked at me and was like, <laughs> and I was like, but have you met them? Like, there was, uh, and it was just this very, she was just very gentle with me. She could tell that I was like nervous and that this was a, a lot for me. And they had been shooting for a while all together. And this was, you know, she, it was just, it was a very sweet thing to do rather than get angry that I was sort of messing up her cue and her joke, mm -hmm. that she um, like very gently pushed me along. And then, <laughs> and then me and her and Cynthia Nixon all had pizza together and talked about parenting. And it was like, it was a surreal day. Ooh, um, what kind of pizza? Pepperoni. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> what kind of parenting are you talking I mean, about? It was great. They were very, yeah. yeah. Wow. Anyway. I feel like when you get to a certain point, these kind of like legendary icons have to know that when they're working with people, they're going to be a little starstruck sometimes, yeah. or at least have the moment of, I've watched you for years on my TV and now I'm I'm with you. So yeah. I'm sure like 
they kind of know how to handle that, you know? Yeah, but I mean, but some, I've also worked with people who do not handle it that way. Oh! Who are like, please don't talk to me, and uh, the first time I will ever say anything to you is our lines, and then I don't want to talk to you. I've definitely worked with those people before. And that's why I want to have these conversations, because it's, <laughs> yeah, let's put the mic a little closer. Uh, exactly. No, but it's, it's sort of like, how do you, that's part of kindness too, I think. How do you approach these difficult moments where you have to have a hard conversation with somebody, mm -hmm. but in a kind of a graceful way? Yeah. I, I feel like that's a tough thing to navigate. It is, and you know, what we do on stage, again, it's a very vulnerable thing, and problems happen, and uh, uh, last night, I kicked Christina Lank in the head. Uh, quite hard. Um, we were we were going at the end of our scene. The lights come down, and we both have to rush off the stage really quickly. I I help her zip up her costume, and then we both like run in opposite directions because they have to change the set over. Mm. And so the lights go out, and she always steps aside, and then I get out of the bed very quickly and zip her up. And she decided last night, which she'd never done before, to like go get her shoes. So she bent over to pick up her shoes, and I swung my legs to get out of the bed. And oh, and she and here was comes company. Uh -huh, and then she punched me in the face. And I'm <laughs> no, she was super nice about it. She was so so sweet about it. She was like it was totally my fault. I'm never there. Don't worry about it at all. And um, you know things like that happen a lot, hmm. and in shows, and you have to be very gentle with your castmates um, because. You never know, you know what they're going through. Also, yeah. it's true, and it's true in life. Mm -hmm. I think Itai Benson threw up on me um, during <laughs> like our second week of uh, maybe was it during previews? I can't remember when it was. How could you he, forget? He walked off stage during the opening number, and there are these black curtains that kind of separate the backstage from the stage. And I was standing off stage waiting to make my entrance, and somebody was just pawing at the black curtain from the stage side, and I was like. That's not supposed to happen. And so I was like, help, and I opened up the, I found the like break in the curtain and I opened it up and Itai oh, no. bent over and threw up on me. And he was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then he threw up again. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, and it was like, I, 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 so, which is to say, bad things happen all the time <laughs> to backstage to great people. And you have to be gentle with each other because you never know who's going to throw up on you <laughs> and, or who you're going to throw up on. And you want them to feel okay about it. <laughs> yes. yeah. Wow. I, that, that took a turn, and I'm glad uh, it, it yeah. was a great turn. Yeah, that's being nice. <laughs> yes. Well, I want to I, I wanna make sure we don't run out of time here. I yep. very quickly yep. have a little flash round, and then I'm going to see if anybody out here has a question. Okay. So I thought we could do a game. It's called... How to succeed in kindness without really trying. All right. It's not really, I don't know what it's called. It's great, it's that's just, a great name. Okay, thank you. Very good job. I thought a lot, long uh -huh. time about it. So basically I'm gonna name a position in the theater. Okay. And we, we can just move quickly, okay. if, if you can, whatever comes into your mind first. Okay. About a way to be kind to people. Okay. So, you know, this isn't in the theater, but for instance, if I said, uh, a male person, you would say, oh, greet a them with coffee at the door. Yeah, or leave them a Christmas card. Oh, okay, let's uh -huh. go there. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, okay, so I'm going to name a position, and okay. we're going to do it. Does that yes. make sense? Yes, Okay. I don't even know if it makes sense. Okay. okay. So, how can we be kinder to the box office and house people? Uh, those are two very different jobs. So I will say, yeah. to the box office people, um, always be, uh, like, try to have your requests in in advance and be know that they are trying to do their best to help you out. Um, to the house people, I would say spend time with them. Um, like, don't, 
you know, like the ushers are so amazing and the house staff are so incredible and they do a lot to keep your show running. Um, and so get to know them, like spend time with them between shows. You can go like sit out, they're all sitting in the house like waiting for the next show and you can go hang out with them. Um, and actually I've met some great people that way. They're, um, because all, you know, they're all like the deepest theater fans are those mm. people. So yeah. they always have something fun to talk about. I love that. And they're yeah. so thrilled to be there. Yeah. What about stage managers? <laughs> Just hate them. No. Um, oh, oh, stage no, managers no, no, no. are the best. Stage, <laughs> stage management, you know, they deal with so much, especially during COVID. It has been insane. And I would just say that, like, know that they have your best interests at heart and that they are sort of, they, they are the, they're not your boss, but they are the person that needs to keep you on task. And so being, um, being gentle with them about, you know, like, simple things like trying to be on time, not complaining about extra rehearsals that are called, not complaining, maybe not complaining. I love that. That's kind yeah. of a good philosophy Because I think life. everyone <laughs> complains at the stage manager a lot. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they feel a lot of that. Yeah. What about the crew members? Know all of their names immediately. Mm. Mm -hmm. My first day of rehearsal, I always ask for a face page of just pictures of everybody backstage and their name and what they do so that I can put it up in my dressing room and learn everyone's name right away. Yeah. Because the, they sometimes literally have your life in their hands. In fact, one of our, one of our stage crew has miss, is missing a finger because he pushed Denzel Washington out of the way of a moving set piece. Wow. So oh. literally can save your life. And, um, and they are, you know, like they are what keeps the show running. They are, yeah. they can help you in so many ways and that is not a reason to be kind to them. But being kind to them will, uh, you know, like they are, and also stage crew has a kind of reputation of being a little gruff and they're not, they're just big fuzzy teddy bears, but they do, you know, back to back shows. They do this all the time. They deal with new actors all the time who are too excited. And, um, <laughs> and I think that like knowing their names and just knowing a little about their lives is mm. really, I love that, and I think by just doing that, you're leading by example, and then hopefully one day everybody just knows everybody's names yeah. and is kind to everyone, mm -hmm. no matter what. Yeah. I have more, but okay. I think for time's sake, we're going to bop along because I want to respect everyone's time here, and I know there's a lot of exciting things to go to, but this is the best. Um, <laughs> does anyone... Does, Hillary, oh, there's literally Hillary Clinton's a clock coming. Right She's here. all right. Hillary Clinton's <laughs> following us. I know. Yeah, it's, that's embarrassing for I her. I always fine. ask her to follow me, so... Listen, on the street, on Instagram, <laughs> at Rob Peter Paul. Uh, does anyone in the audience have a question for our lovely guest, you know, about his career or kindness or anything like that? Hi, I saw your hand first. How are you? I love your shirt. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, uh, so, a few years ago, yeah. I actually saw you in Passion. Uh, oh, my gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you talked about going deep into Andy's um, So in Passion, you, you played opposite Natasha Diaz, mm -hmm. an actress who always imbues her characters with incredible interiority. Um, so I would, and that's a, that's, a, that's a show that confuses a lot of people. A lot of people don't care for it. Mm -hmm. I love it. My boyfriend at the time had, had to sit for like 10 minutes, couldn't get up because he was like Oh my gosh. So uh, I was just curious if you discovered anything more interesting about that character or if having a similarly in-depth, serious uh, scene partner helped you with that? You know, that I'll was, just say his oh, question was about, uh, sorry, just for oh, the yeah, podcast's yeah, sake, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, future listeners, people of the future, his question was about passions and Clay's journey with his character in that show. Mm -hmm. You know, that is another situation in which our director, um, 
Matthew Gardner was really key in making sure that those that those people who had been played a lot of times were played in a way that felt authentic to us. And included in that was, you know, I mean, oftentimes in regional theaters, uh, they'll, they'll sort of just, like, ask people to play roles, you know, that just sort of happens a lot. And uh, Matthew and I had worked together before, and he'd worked with Natasha a lot, and he'd worked with Stephanie, who uh, played Clara a lot as well. They went to college together. And he wanted the three of us before he cast us to be in a room together. And so we figured out a way to get to DC, all of us, so that we could be in a room together to talk a little about it because that show is so cerebral and um, there's a lot of darkness to it, you know, um, that he wanted to make sure we were all really on the same page about it. And we spent a lot of time talking. And I, I think that's also a luxury that is not often in the regional theater. We just, there's just not a lot of time. Time is money, and it is very expensive to have time. I'm sure lots of people would love to have time, but there's just not, that's not always possible. And we spent a full week at a table talking and um, so that we, we could understand how everybody, how everyone felt. And I think that all three of us who are sort of the key people in those conversations had a lot to say. I think that that hearing everybody's perspective on that show, which is a lot about um, conflicting feelings, uh, hearing all of the feelings from everybody's side was very helpful in, in constructing the piece itself. Um, and in giving us, a, giving us a, a parameter in which we've continued through the run of the show as the show changed and grow, grew and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that really Matthew was the key in that, truly. So eloquent. That was a great question. Thank Should you. Should you tell them about my shirt for the podcast? Honeymoon in Vegas, the <laughs> musical, which I love. Yes. And Bryn O'Malley is one of my favorite people, and she was in it. And she and she, oh, I played across from her in Sunday in the Park with George that Matthew Gardner directed before she did that, right before Ooh, she did that. Yeah. Connections. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for your question. Mm -hmm. Hi. I think we have time, sorry, I'll just say for one more. I didn't know there was a clock here the whole time. <laughs> no, I appreciate you, thanks for being here. I'm a um, infant toddler teacher, mm -hmm. caregiver, so your content with your son is amazing. Oh, um, you. By the way, um, a week after you posted about the zombie uh -huh. and how afraid he was, I had a three-year-old who said, are werewolves real? Boy, did I channel that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are not real, they are pretending. She said something like, and they're not in my house. I'm like, oh my god. Oh, it's exactly the <laughs> same <laughs> weird. Uh, yeah. Like it, was, the kind, it was so funny. I played it over and over. <laughs> but, uh, what do you do with uh, your son since he is young and helping him do acts of kindness? Hmm. It's a great question. You know, that's a great. I actually have an easy answer to that. For one, I mean, one thing. Um, we started doing this thing during the pandemic called Special Breakfast, where he and I go out to breakfast once a month, and. I have him pick another table in the restaurant and we buy that person's, rather people, those people's meal before we leave. We like tell the waitress, please don't tell them until we leave, um, but will you just like give us their bill so we can pay for it? And when we started doing it, in fact it started because I was in a, I was in a grocery store parking lot and there was a man there asking for money and I gave him some money and he asked me why I gave him money and I said, you know, because he needed it, and he said, but we'll get it back, and I was like, no, we won't get it back, and then he sat there, actually, I caught it on camera, and he sat there, and he thought for a second, and he was like, I'd like to give that man some money. 
And I was like, okay. So we started doing this special breakfast thing that we still do every, um, every month. And I think that it's, you, you know, I talk about that man who gave me that money, money 15 years ago. And it was a really brave thing to do. Because it takes a lot to talk to a stranger at all for some people, and for me. And um, to, say, to do something really weird, like I'm gonna give you $200 out of nowhere, you're a total stranger, I don't know anything about you. It actually, it takes a lot of bravery to do that. And I think all of us have the experience of like being on a train and walk, having a person walk by you and ask for money and you sit there and you think like, should I do it? Uh, should I do it? Should I take a dollar out? Because it takes a, it actually is a really, it takes a lot of bravery. The first time I asked for a waitress to like give me the, I was so, I was sweating, I was nervous. I was like, I know this is really weird. I, but could you please just not tell them? And we, you know, and I think that teaching him from an early age that it's not weird and that it's that um, that taking those moments to be brave and help uh, to normalize that feeling a little bit for him is is something that I feel like I can give him. It's certainly something my parents did for me. Mm. That was a great question, and I feel like you've inspired me, and you've probably inspired most people here to do at least one act of kindness today. So I hope you guys take that with you. I thank you and you and you and all of you for being here. If you want, you can subscribe to our podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network. You can follow us at Art of Kindness Podcast on Instagram. You can follow Clay at Clayborn Elder, which you probably already do. Clay, you are a true light in this world and in this industry, and I'm so glad that we have somebody like you that we can all look up to in the theater. So thank, thank you so you much for being great. you. Yeah, give it up for Clay. And uh, as you all go and enjoy the rest of Broadway Con, remember that everything is going to be A-OK. -okay. Yes! Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.